a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Something that uh, some state and local governments, as well as some Democrats on Capitol Hill, have a real hard time with. We're going to get into that in just a moment. Thanks again for joining me here on another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. I am Cam Edwards. And uh, want to tell you that this episode brought to you by Direct Bullion USA, the new gold standard of gold and silver dealers. You would not let the swamp of Washington, D.C. take your gun, so why would you let them take your retirement? Visit directbullionusa.com today and start learning how to protect your financial freedom by requesting a free investment guide. Secure, protect, and diversify. Get started now at directbullionusa.com. So the defiance of the Supreme Court's uh, ruling in New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin is nothing new, right? Um, We've seen this really ever since uh, this decision was handed down. Uh, you've got uh, lawmakers, you know, first in New York uh, and then in several other states that uh, rushed into session in order to pass more restrictions on the right to keep and bear arms. Some uh, states and localities have uh, been a little bit slower, right? Uh, out in Colorado, for example, the state legislature has not passed any post-Bruin restrictions, but because the uh, Democrats in control of the state did get rid of Colorado's firearms preemption law, allowing localities to pass their own gun control ordinances that are more restrictive than state law. Yeah, we have seen a number of communities around the state of Colorado uh, jump with both feet uh, into the uh, gun control debate, passing all kinds of laws that are not going to withstand constitutional scrutiny. In fact, there are already a number of court challenges underway in Colorado, and several of these new restrictions have been put on hold by a federal judge. But that did not stop the city council in Broomfield, Colorado, from debating a number of gun control measures, local gun control measures, on Tuesday night, packed house. You see some uh, red shirts from Moms Demand Action volunteers there in uh, Broomfield, Colorado. Uh, And a number of uh, individuals testifying both in favor and in opposition to these new rules. So what are we talking about here? Well, let's see. Uh, This is from uh, Channel 9 in Denver. Uh, They say that there is a 10-day waiting period that would be attached to all gun sales in the uh, town of Broomfield. Uh, There's also a competency-slash-education requirement. So if you want to buy a gun in the town, you would have to provide evidence of qualified experience or a training certificate from a firearm training class obtained within the 10 years preceding the purchase of said firearm. They also want to go after so-called ghost guns. It would make it a criminal offense for a person who knew or reasonably should have known of the law to possess a firearm that is not identified with a serial number. Yeah. Now, again, all of these are local ordinances. And there were several members of the public who showed up at the Broomfield City Council meeting last night to ask, in essence, what the hell are you thinking? Um, One uh, individual, Brian Potter, said, I think the ordinances that you've written do not have teeth to support substance. Each and every ordinance can be skirted. The only effect that you will have is you're going to move business out of this town to hurt small businesses. Uh, There was another uh, individual, Jim uh, Morrill. We said, if I have to wait an extra 10 days 
when I can just go eight tenths of a mile to Cabela's and buy it there, why am I going to be beholden to buy things in Broomfield? You're hurting your tax revenue. You're hurting your businesses, which, by the way, is absolutely right. Uh, again, this is one community. This is, you know, if you want to buy a gun here, uh, you've got to provide some sort of proof of training. You've got to uh, wait 10 days before you can pick up your firearm. Yeah, this isn't going to stop any violent crime in Broomfield. This isn't even going to curtail any legal gun ownership in Broomfield. This will simply force those who want to purchase a firearm to travel, again, eight-tenths of a mile outside of the city limits to buy one. Now, this... You know, I, I I don't even want to call this virtue signaling because there's no virtue in what the Broomfield City Council is trying to do. There's, actually, there's a lot of vice involved. There's nothing virtuous about trying to make it more difficult for somebody to exercise a civil right, right? That You're not wearing the white hat when you're doing that. And that's exactly what the city council members in Broomfield are trying to do here. Now, all of these measures, by the way, passed on first reading last night. They're not scheduled to go into effect yet. There will be a second hearing uh, in January. And there's also the prospect of, uh, again, litigation here. In fact, I would say not just the prospect, but uh, if these local ordinances go into effect, there will be a legal challenge. Uh, And the city not only going to be losing out on tax revenue, but they're going to be wasting money on attorney's fees trying to defend these unconstitutional laws. So what were the arguments in favor of these new ordinances? Well, uh, according to KDVR in Denver, uh, one woman, uh, Joanne Dolan, said, by allowing 10-day waiting periods, we allow cooler heads to prevail and suicidal thoughts to hopefully find comfort instead. Except again, if you're really worried about somebody with suicidal ideation, a 10-day waiting period that applies only to the town of Broomfield isn't really going to do anything. What about improving mental health access? Again, not really a local issue in Broomfield, more of a statewide issue, and one that Democrats in Colorado really dropped the ball on. There is a critical shortage of inpatient mental health treatment, uh, as well as outpatient mental health treatment. Uh, throughout the state of Colorado. Again, not something that the town of Broomfield is going to be able to fix in and of itself. But imposing a local 10-day waiting period, that doesn't address the problem either. Uh, Let's see, one of the other supporters of uh, this measure, Leslie O'Brien, who uh, was wearing her Mom's Demand Action shirt, said, since the last study session held, there have been three mass shootings. Education and implementation of these laws, she says, leads to safer communities. How so? Again, given that these are local ordinances that could be easily avoided by virtually any would-be gun buyer in Broomfield, simply by driving a mile down the road, even if these measures were effective, and I don't think that they are, but even if they were effective... Uh, local ordinance does nothing. But let's talk about the supposed effectiveness or the lack thereof of some of the things that they're trying to do here. Uh, You know, the 10-day waiting period. This is popular 
uh, among gun control advocates. And the longer the wait, the better, quite frankly. You know, uh, it, 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 it amazes me how many people over the past couple of years who declare that they are Second Amendment supporters, who swear that they have nothing against the right to keep their arms, they're only interested in common sense gun safety measures, have been virtually silent, as we have seen uh, in places like Mecklenburg County, North Carolina, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, uh, and other places, uh, attempts to either delay indefinitely or shut down completely uh, gun permitting units, depriving people of their ability to purchase a firearm or to get a concealed carry license so they could carry one for self-defense. Again, it's hard to say you support the Second Amendment when you don't actually support people's right to both keep and bear arms, right? Uh, And it doesn't matter if it's a 10-day waiting period or a 10-month waiting period. As I said, the longer the better for the gun control activists. Is there any evidence, however, that these waiting periods are constitutional? Mm -mm, There's not. Uh, And in fact, I think that that's going to be a real challenge uh, for Broomfield and any other communities uh, in Colorado or around the country who want to try to implement uh, this sort of waiting period. You just don't find waiting periods or anything close to them uh, in U.S. history, particularly around the time of the ratification of the Second Amendment or the 14th Amendment, which the Supreme Court said in Bruin were the most applicable time periods when looking at the text, history, and tradition of how the right to keep and bear arms has been exercised in this country. The idea that, well, if we just tell somebody they can't buy a gun for 10 days or two weeks or 10 months, then, then maybe they won't use a firearm uh, to commit suicide. It, it is a nice idea. Well, actually, it's really not a nice idea because I, I don't think it makes any sense. But as it turns out, there's not a whole lot of evidence for that either. When the uh, Rand Corporation uh, a couple of years ago looked at uh, waiting period laws and how they impacted suicides, they found that there weren't a lot of studies Um, But one of the studies that they did look at showed that while there was a decrease in gun-related suicides uh, in the jurisdictions that had a waiting period that were examined, the number of suicides overall uh, continued to climb because the number of non-gun-related suicides more than offset the reduction in gun-related suicides. So if the goal is to get people to kill themselves by other means, well, then I I guess a waiting period is a good idea. If the goal is to save lives and to stop people from committing suicide in the first place, then a gun-centric approach, exactly what Broomfield is doing here, makes no sense whatsoever. Again, ineffective, unconstitutional, and probably going to uh, be approved by the city council in uh, Broomfield, Colorado here in the uh, next few weeks. Uh, Kudos to all of the gun owners and Second Amendment supporters who showed up at the city council meeting. I would encourage them, don't give up the fight. Even if you think the deck is stacked against you, show up, speak out, make your opinion known, and yeah, call them out for their attempt to uh, uh, curtail 
the exercise of a civil right with the false promise of increased safety. Now, let's turn our attention to today's Armed Citizens story, our good deed of the day, and our recidivist report. Start there, case out of uh, Iowa, where a man on probation in Scott County, Iowa, is now facing an attempted murder charge for allegedly shooting his brother. As it turns out, this uh, probationer in Scott County was on probation for being a felon in possession of a firearm. Even further... Uh, the reason why he was on probation for being a felon in possession of a firearm is because he got a sweetheart plea deal that dropped all kinds of violent felony charges that he was facing. 32-year-old Steve Dante Hester was arrested yesterday on the attempted murder charge after police alleged he shot his brother in the chest early Friday morning. Um, According to the Quad City Times, uh, Hester pleaded guilty to a charge of being a felon in possession of a farm as a habitual offender in connection with a July 7th, 2018 shooting of a man in Bettendorf, Iowa. Hester spent a little more than a year and a half in the Scott County Jail awaiting charges on uh, awaiting trial on charges of attempted murder, willful injury causing serious injury, intimidation with a dangerous weapon, as well as conspiracy to commit a forcible felony. All of those charges were dropped, and instead, Hester was allowed to plead guilty, again, to simply being a felon in possession of a firearm. And on November 5th of 2020, a Scott County District Judge sentenced Hester to three years probation. Yeah. He also received a suspended 15-year prison sentence that would have held a three-year minimum if he had failed to abide by the terms of his probation, which police allege he has done now. Unfortunately, the charges that Hester currently faces, uh, attempted murder, well, that's a Class B felony. It automatically uh, carries a prison sentence of 25 years, 70% of which must be served before parole is granted. So, sending it back to prison for violating the terms of his probation now doesn't do jack. The time to have dealt with a violent felon acting violently would have been in 2020 when he was facing trial. But instead, prosecutors cut him a deal. If they had even referred this case to federal court, it's highly likely that Hester would be behind bars today. Because under federal law, it is a 10-year felon, uh, felony sentence, uh, potential sentence anyway, if you are found to be in possession of a firearm after you've been prohibited uh, because of your previous felony conviction. Now, a 10-year sentence, I have to say, is pretty rare, even in federal court. Five years is much more common. And in the federal prison system, if you get a five-year prison sentence, you're serving 90% of that before you're eligible for release. So if local prosecutors in Scott County have simply said, you know what, you are a habitual felon, but man, our office, we just don't have the resources to take this case to trial. We're going to kick this up to the U.S. Attorney's Office because we're tired of dealing with your ass. Steve Hester would have been behind bars. He would not have been able to allegedly shoot his brother in the chest last Friday. But that's not what happened. Again, like the vast majority of felony cases around this country, Steve Hester got a sweetheart plea deal and a slap on the wrist that quickly returned him to the streets rather than giving him any sort of severe consequences for what was a very serious crime. Today's uh, armed citizen story from Michigan where uh, police say armed neighbors 
helped to detain a man at a break-in in a home in St. Charles, a home, by the way, in which there were uh, kids inside. Uh, the 32-year-old man uh, apparently uh, started ranting out in public, uh, and the uh, uh, situation escalated to the point where he broke into a home. This was last Friday, about 7.30 in the morning. Sheriff's deputies uh, dispatched to a neighborhood in St. Charles, Michigan, where residents reported a man was jumping on a car and yelling. Now, before officers could get there, the man broke into a home. There were two neighbors who were watching this guy. They weren't engaging, but they did have their concealed firearms on them. They are both concealed carry holders. And as long as this guy wasn't posing a threat to life or limb, they were just simply watching and observing. When he went from property damage to then breaking into a home, however, those two armed citizens took action. Uh, according to uh, local law enforcement, quote, rushing to the scene to stop the home invasion. 7.51 a.m., uh, less than 20 minutes, about 18 minutes after the uh, initial uh, 911 call had been made, the uh, two neighbors detained the man. Deputies arrived two minutes later. So, again, 20-minute response time there in uh, St. Charles. Thankfully, uh, the homeowner and her two kids, okay, uh, no injuries occurred. Uh, according to the uh, undersheriff there, who says, uh, due to the quick action of the two citizens that took control of the suspect shortly after him gaining entry into the home. It's unknown what the suspect's intentions were, but he did appear to be under the influence of drugs. Uh, look, maybe it's possible that the guy would have broken in and nothing would have happened. It's also possible that he would have broken in and harm could have come to the family inside. Thankfully, that wasn't the case. Everybody is okay. The uh, suspect going to get, hopefully, the uh, treatment that uh, he deserves, if uh, uh, not some uh, time to dry out behind bars. And again, the uh, family who suffered that uh, home invasion the morning after Thanksgiving, they are safe and sound, thanks to the fact that their armed neighbors were looking out for them. Finally today, our good deed of the day in the right place at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing out on uh, Long Island, where a, a police officer known, among his colleagues anyway, as the baby whisperer, helped deliver a fifth child. Yeah. I mean, at that point, I think you're an honorary OBGYN, don't you think? This was uh, also uh, Thanksgiving week in the uh, town of Shirley, New York, out on Long Island. Um, police were called last Saturday morning to the home of Rebecca Reyes. She was in labor and uh, didn't look like she was going to be able to make it to the hospital. Uh, Connor Deemer, who's a, a police officer with the 7th Precinct, was the uh, first to get to the home. He helped uh, Reyes lie down in the living room. And then uh, officers uh, Jaden Rodriguez, Zachary Vormatag, and uh, Sergeant John Eric Negron uh, soon arrived on the scene. At uh, 1025 in the morning, Reyes gave birth to her third child, Owen, and uh, ambulance personnel arrived shortly thereafter to cut the umbilical cord, take mom and the baby to a local hospital. Uh, Owen weighed in at a healthy six pounds and 13 ounces. Mom and Owen are both back at home now, which is uh, a wonderful thing. Uh, it was the first delivery for uh, several of the officers, including uh, uh, Officer Deemer. But uh, for Sergeant Negron... This is old hat. Uh, he said, I thought my childbirth days were over when I became a sergeant. He says, I guess the uh, record lives on. Starting back in uh, August of 2017, that's when uh, Sergeant Negron uh, delivered his first baby at a, a home in Mount Sinai. 
That baby actually wasn't breathing when Negron arrived. He was able to suck fluid out of the infant's area with a turkey baster that he found in the parents' kitchen, and the uh, boy started breathing. Negron is actually the uh, infant's godfather, by the way. Uh, parents were so thankful for what he did that they uh, asked him to be the godfather, and he said, uh, yeah, absolutely. Since then, four other deliveries for the uh, sergeant in the right place at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing, and uh, we thank him for his uh, quick thinking and his... I guess what grippy hands, right? Uh, yeah, almost shared a little too much about one of my kids' births, but let's just say you ever see like a watermelon seed, you know, in between fingers, and then just kind of flips out. Yeah, that was the experience when uh, one of my kids was born. Anyway, uh, Sergeant Negron, again, appreciate the good deed. I appreciate you being a part of this edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. I appreciate you being engaged and involved in the fight to protect and defend our right to keep and bear arms. It is a fight that obviously still continues and will continue for uh, years to come, but we will win this fight. We have the Constitution, we have history, and we have tens of millions of our fellow Americans on our side. Uh, if you want to keep up to date with what's going on with your right to keep your arms, I would encourage you to check out bearingarms.com throughout the day. We're constantly updating the website with the latest news and information that you need to know about. If you like what you see, I'd also encourage you to become a VIP member. Just go to bearingarms.com slash subscribe. Use the promo code GUNRIGHTS and you can get a significant savings on your VIP membership. We really do appreciate your support. It means a lot to us. And as our way of saying thanks, we're going to give you exclusive content, news stories, and analysis you won't find anywhere else. Because your support does make a difference. And it really does matter. So thanks again. Enjoy the rest of your hump day Wednesday. We'll see you back here in December, I guess, right? Uh, coming up tomorrow with another edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. Until then, be well. Be safe. Be free.